Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. He is risen. Amen. What an awesome time to gather as the body of Christ to celebrate the resurrection. An opportunity to focus on that great event, the most incredible event that's ever happened in history. Though it occurred 2,000 years ago, yet we celebrate it today along with believers all over the world. I love the fact that Easter celebrated in the springtime. That was God's plan because life is emerging from the dead of winter. And that's what Resurrection Sunday, that's what Easter is all about. It's a celebration of new life coming out of death. That's what God wants to do in each of our lives. But this event did happen 2,000 years ago. What does the resurrection really mean to us today? We celebrate it, but... Does it really make a difference in our lives? I mean, really, does it make a difference in the way we live day to day? Or is it just a great story that we tell and we celebrate? How would you answer that? What does the resurrection really mean to us today? Well, one way to answer that, I think, is to explore what the resurrection meant to Peter one of his disciples, one of Jesus' disciples, because Peter was one who was there. He walked with Jesus. He followed Jesus. He experienced Jesus' death and resurrection, and his life was changed, perhaps more than any other. So as we explore this morning what the resurrection meant to Peter, maybe we can begin to get a glimpse of what the resurrection can mean to us today as well. But to do that, we need to understand more who Peter was. What was he like? Well, Peter is one of my favorite New Testament characters because I can identify so much with him. He was always blowing it. He was always sticking his foot in his mouth, saying the wrong thing. He was struggling to make his life work, struggling to somehow figure out what God wanted, how to be successful, and he kept failing at it. He was trying to follow Jesus and he made a lot of mistakes along the way. 
He had a heart for doing what's right, but he couldn't seem to pull it off. Can you relate to Peter? (laughs) I sure can. I sure can. Let's look at his life. So we first meet Peter when he's a fisherman. Now we find out later in the book of Acts that Peter was trying to be a fairly good religious guy, you know, a synagogue-going, church-going kind of guy. We find that he declares in Acts that he never had violated the dietary laws. He had never eaten something that wasn't kosher. That meant that he was trying to do the right thing. Now, he wasn't really religious like the Pharisees and the rabbis, but, you know, he was a good man. He was a hard worker, kind of blue-collar, fisherman type, who worked hard at his trade, tried to do what was right. He was just like you and me, basically. Imagine how it felt to be Peter. Again, just like you and me, living his life, and then one day as he's pulling in the nets, Jesus walks up to him. Now, he knew a little bit about Jesus, and Jesus, this incredible rabbi, walks up to him and says, follow me. Now, you need to understand what that meant. You see, for a rabbi to come up to you and say, follow me, it meant... I am asking you to come be my follower, be my disciple for the next several years as I train you to be a rabbi. That meant leaving everything that you had to start a whole new life. But it meant being chosen to be one of his followers. Now, he'd already missed the opportunity before. He wasn't going to get a chance to get any more education. He was just a fisherman. And yet, Jesus called him to be his disciple. Imagine how it felt that day. Imagine how it felt as you began to walk with him, as Peter began to follow and see his miracles and began to understand who this Jesus was. Imagine how it felt to be included in the three disciples that were closest to him with James and John and to be included in incredible miracles like the transfiguration on the mount. Imagine how it felt, how special It felt to be part of Jesus' inner circle. Imagine how it felt that day when Jesus said, Who do people say that I am? And they said, Oh, some say prophets, some say Elijah. And then Jesus said, But who do you say that I am? And Peter said, You are the Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of the Living God. Imagine how it felt when Jesus then turned to you and said, Blessed are you, Simon, Barjona, Peter. You shall be called Peter, for upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus changed his name. Imagine how wonderful that felt. But imagine how it felt right after that as Jesus began to teach that as Messiah, he would have to go to Jerusalem and die. And Peter stood up and said, no way, you're not going to die. Hey, you're Messiah. We're going to fight for you. Hey, come on, guys. Let's gather around him. No one's going to hurt him. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. For your interests are not God's interests. They're the interests of man. Imagine how it felt to get rebuked like that. 
And Peter over and over again had to be rebuked because he didn't understand. Imagine how confusing it was that, well, Jesus, you're Messiah, but, but you're not the kind of Messiah we expected. What are you all about, Jesus? It makes no sense. You're not what we thought. Imagine how it felt as Jesus in the upper room declares that he is going to have to die. And he says this, You will all fall away, Jesus told his disciples. And Peter declared, Even if all fall away, (laughs) I will not. Peter, the man of commitment, the man of inner strength, says, No way, I'm for you, Jesus, and I will never turn my back on you. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Today, yes, tonight, Peter, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me. You'll deny me three times. But Peter kept insisting emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Imagine how it felt as you said those words. Declared your allegiance. Declared your commitment to Jesus. And yet, within a few hours, you abandoned him. As it says in Mark 14, while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by when she saw Peter warming himself by a fire as he stood at this fire as Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and Peter followed and wondered, what's going on? Come on, this is not Messiah. What are you doing, Jesus? This makes no sense. And he's afraid and he gathers around this fire outside the high priest's house where Jesus is being put on trial. And a servant girl comes and says, hey, weren't you with him? And Peter says, no, I don't know him. Three times he denies him. And after the third time, Luke tells us that Jesus was across the courtyard and he looked at Peter. And Peter was crushed. He wept bitterly and walked out. Imagine how it felt to be such a failure. You've committed yourself. I'll die with you. And yet you've completely abandoned this man that you've grown to love. You have failed the Messiah. Imagine how it felt, Peter. Then imagine how it felt three days later. As you're gathered with the other disciples and you're confused and you're trying to figure out, what do we do now? They're going to come after us. And you're afraid and you're confused and you're scared and, and you're overwhelmed with your own guilt. And suddenly the women come in and say, hey, he's not there. He, he's not there. And you run to the tomb and you look and the tomb's empty, but you're still confused. And then you go back to the disciples and Jesus appears. And you see the risen Lord, but you're overwhelmed with your own guilt still and you just don't know what to think. Can Jesus ever accept me? I've blown it way too much. And then imagine how it felt 
As one day Jesus was out fishing with his fellow fishermen, they'd fished all night, they'd caught nothing. John 21 is the story. And someone on the shore yells, Hey, try on the other side of the boat. Peter, come on, I know fishing. (laughs) There are no fish. Okay, guys, let's try it. They put the net in, and it's so full they can't pull it all in. And Peter goes, It's the Lord! And he throws his cloak on, abandons the rest of the guys trying to bring in the fish, jumps in the water, and swims to shore. And he shows up, and Jesus has built a charcoal fire and is cooking fish on it. And Peter, in his brokenness and his failure, is standing there, and Jesus says to him, the risen Christ is there, and he says to him, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me enough to die for me? Well, Peter knows he can't make that kind of commitment. So Peter says, Jesus, you know that I phileo you. I love you as a brother. I have affection for you, but that's all I can say. My commitment means nothing. Jesus says, feed my lambs. He gives them a job. Second time, Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me enough to die for me? Peter, by this time, must have been feeling really bad. He says, Jesus, you you know that I phileo you. I, I love you as a brother. Jesus says, feed my sheep. A third time, Jesus says, now the third time, he says, Peter, do you phileo me? Do you love me as a brother? And Peter says, yes, Jesus. As I've said, that's all I can say. I love you as a brother. And Jesus, knowing that now Peter is ready to be used for the kingdom of God in his brokenness, says, tend my flock. Three denials, three statements of restoration, and because he'd seen the risen Christ, and Jesus restored him, forgave him, cleansed him, Peter's life was changed forever. And we find him in the book of Acts then, The Spirit's poured out on the day of Pentecost less than two months after the denial. Peter stands before the crowds by the temple. There's thousands of people there. There's Sadducees and Pharisees and Romans. A few, less than two months before, he was scared of a servant girl. And now he's standing up before the crowds and declaring Jesus has risen from the dead. Alleluia. He's willing to face the crowds and he lived for Christ for many years until he was finally arrested by the Romans and crucified. He did get the opportunity to die for Jesus. But when they were ready to crucify him, he said, I am not worthy to be crucified in the same way my Lord was. So they crucified him upside down according to tradition. 
What changed for Peter? What transformed his life? What transformed his life is he had seen the risen Christ. He had realized that Jesus was alive, that he was the risen Messiah, that he was Lord. What did the resurrection mean to him? Well, he tells us in this passage in Acts, in his very first sermon that he gave, and in the book of 1 Peter, the very first book that he wrote to fellow Christians. And there are three powerful, life-changing truths that we see that Peter hung on to that changed his life. The first one is that Jesus is Lord. If Jesus has risen from the dead, then he's been exalted to the right hand of the Father. And he has been given all authority and all power. He has risen from the dead. Verse 36, which David just read to you, Therefore, of Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, Messiah, anointed one, the King that we have been waiting for all our lives. All authority has been given to him. All authority in heaven and on earth. What this meant for Peter and what it means for you and me is that we need never fear any authority, any power on earth or in heaven. Because Jesus is Lord and if we're his followers, he is at work. He will protect us. All his power is being used to build his kingdom and to protect his people. It means whatever you face at work, there is no power in your homes, in this world, that is more powerful than Jesus. Not the government, not Satan, not Islam, nor big corporations, nor even your boss are more powerful than Jesus. He is Lord. He is the one that we can trust to do what is best for us. He's the blessed controller. This truth... Peter declares over and over, Jesus is Lord, and this truth transformed his life. Because what this means is, no matter what you face, when you stand before crowds, when you talk to your friend, whatever you are, whatever you're facing, it means that he's in control, he is working out a plan, and we can trust him to do what's best for us. We may be confused like Peter was, we may not understand what God's doing all the time, but we can know he is doing it out of love and he is in control. Like my friend who has terminal cancer, who according to the doctors does not have long to live. He's been in ministry so much of his life and now he can do very little ministry and yet he continues to trust that God is in it. God is at work. Jesus is Lord and therefore he does not need to fear. Because Jesus is working out his plan. No matter what you're going through in your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, you put your trust in him, then you can trust that he is working out his plan to protect you and to fulfill his plan. Now, it doesn't mean you won't go through difficult things, but it does mean he will never give you more than you can handle and he will walk through it with you. And that's the second great truth 
the powerful life-changing truth that Peter learned and he declares over and over in this passage in 1 Peter is that Jesus lives in believers. You see, if Jesus was raised from the dead, he's alive. But where does he live on this earth now? When he was walking around on earth, he was limited to one human being. But as he told Peter, as he told all the disciples, he said, it is good that I go away. Because if I go away, I will send my Holy Spirit and He will come and indwell you. So the great news of the resurrection, if Jesus is alive, if He's risen from the dead, is that He's alive now in the heart of every believer. Now He can be present not just in one person, but everywhere there's a believer who has put their faith in Him. You see how that changes the whole way we approach the Christian life. We don't have to do it the way Peter had tried to live his life, which is try to figure out what God wants and work real hard to make it happen. No, if Jesus is alive and he sent his Holy Spirit to indwell us, then the way we live now as Christians is that we simply seek to depend on him, to know him better and allow his life to flow through us. We don't have to work hard to do it right. We simply Follow Him, trust Him, depend on Him. It's a whole new way of living. It's not religion. It's trust. It's dependence. If Jesus was risen from the dead, then He lives in us as believers. We are the temple of the living God and our lives are changed forever. It changed Peter's life and it changes ours as well. The third great truth that Peter declares over and over connected to the resurrection is that death is conquered. If Jesus has risen from the dead, then death is conquered because he went through death, came out the other side and said, okay, death is not the end and I have made a place for you and I'm waiting for you to come. That's what he declares in the book of 1 Peter he is so excited about it. He says it right at the beginning of the book. And he says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into, get this, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. The agony of death is done away with. We have a living hope, a hope of life after death. Jesus went through it. He has prepared a place for us and he says, I am simply waiting for you to come. Do you understand what that means? If Jesus is risen, then death is conquered and we do not have to fear death. We live in a society, American Western culture, that is terrified of death. We're afraid to even think about it. We work so hard to stay healthy. We're terrified of getting sick. We're, we're terrified. So we, we exercise and we take our pills and we look at the latest medical developments and we just are so afraid of death in our culture that we're so concerned about living forever. But as Christians, if Jesus is your Lord, then you need never fear death again. Because death is simply the gateway to being with Him forever, to experiencing the fullness of eternal life. If Jesus rose from the dead, then death is conquered. 
Amen? (laughs) So, as we lose our health, and if you're over 25, (laughs) you're on the decline. (laughs) But we don't have to be afraid, do we? Because though these bodies will not last forever, life eternal life with Jesus will last forever and it's proven forever through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Death has been conquered forever. That's what the resurrection meant to Peter, those three incredible, powerful, life-changing truths. Jesus is Lord. Jesus lives in believers and death is conquered forever. But what about you and I? Today, as we live our lives. Uh, we talk about all this, but does it really matter to us? Does, do these things affect our lives? Well, it depends. It depends, first of all, on whether you have received Jesus as Lord, if you've entered his family, if you've been born again, as Peter says and as Jesus said. If you put your faith in him, if you've come to him and said, Jesus, I come to you and I want to trust you with my life. And Peter even tells us how to do that if you've never done that. And in a group this large, there's many here who have never actually, though you may have been religious like Peter, you may have been a good person, you may have tried to pull it off and just do what's right, there are many here who have not ultimately trusted in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Peter tells us, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, if you want to come under his lordship, here's all you have to do. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, when the people heard what what Peter said, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The Lord is calling you today. And he says all you have to do to enter his kingdom, it says is repent. Turn from your way of being in control of your own life like Peter was. Turn to him and say, Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to... Learn to let you live through me. I want to trust you. I want to give you my fears, my failures, my feeble attempts to run my own life. I give my life to you. And then he says, be baptized. Now, we know in Scripture that baptism is not required to be saved, but it's simply a public statement of what has happened in your heart. If you've turned to him, repentance is a picture of dying and rising again with Christ, that you have new life in him and he now lives in in you. So he says, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. That's all it takes. That's all it takes to turn to him. And for those of us who already maybe know him, but... We've had a hard time trusting Him as Lord and we've tried to run our own lives. What does this mean to us? It means that we can live differently. 
We can live a life of trusting Him as Lord. Lord, I give you my life. I trust you're in control. You're the blessed controller. I want to learn to depend on you and let your life flow through me. And I want to give you my fear of death. I'm tired of fighting it. I want to trust you. And as we do that, we'll experience the freedom of the resurrection as we are united with Christ in His resurrection. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And He wants our lives to be different because He's alive. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for this glorious day where we celebrate your resurrection, Lord Jesus, that you died for us, that our sins might be forgiven, and you rose again, that life might be completely different for us because you are Lord. And you indwell us, and you have conquered death forever. Help us to live in the reality of your resurrection every day. We pray in the name of Jesus, our risen Lord and Savior. Amen.